We're going to be looking at uh, Luke chapter 7, starting at verse 36. In my book, or in the Bible that I've got, it's entitled, Jesus Anointed by a Sinful Woman. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she bought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. She is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he cancelled the debts of both. Now which one of them will love him more? Jesus replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt cancelled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has put perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, For she loved much, but he who has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Holy Spirit, as we come to unpack God's word, please lead and guide us. Open our hearts and our minds to hear what you would have to say through us, or to us, through your word. Amen. I think God's word is amazing. Sometimes you don't have to add anything to a parable like that, do you? It speaks for itself. But... I wonder, do we have secret sin in our lives? That sin that we can't shake off. When we think it doesn't make a difference, it only affects me. And I don't do it that often, or it doesn't affect me that much. I'm pretty good most of the time. I haven't got the strength to give it up. And God loves me anyway, doesn't he? I think deep down, each one of us are good at hiding our faults, our mistakes, and our judgment of one another. And if we're honest, we even hide the own sin from ourselves. 
are like this woman in this passage. Everyone in the village knew she was a sinner. Probably the local prostitute. Doing something she wouldn't have chosen to do. But doing it to survive. And even though it came with a lifetime of guilt and of shame, and she became the outcast of that community, she carried on living in her sin. And thankfully we don't have a big neon sign above each one of us displaying our sins. But God knows our struggles, he feels our pain and weeps with us and he's there with each one of us in the mess. And in that mess we either have the choice of drawing closer to God or drawing further away from God, perceiving that God doesn't care for us. So what sin am I talking about this morning? That's between you and God. But I wonder who'd confess to watching some daytime TV. Have you, who's ever watched Homes Under the Hammer? A few times. Or um, the Antiques Roadshow. But for me, the best is um, Come Dine With Me. Who would confess to watching a sneaky episode of Come Dine With Me? And if you haven't watched it, the pretext is that um, four strangers come together and they cook their favourite meal and they take it in turns to go around to each person's house, cook their favourite meal and then the other three contestants grade them from zero to ten. And... uh, Even some have a a themed evening. They might have a Mexican evening and they get everybody to dress up with Mexican hats and drink Mexican drinks. So it's all quite good fun. And as I say, the person that gets the highest score at the end of the evening receives a cash prize of a £1,000. So there's that little bit of competitive edge there as they try and evaluate each other. And uh, purely just for the research that I've done for this sermon, I've watched it. And uh, (laughs) I wouldn't watch it normally, but... Most of the time, people give a score out of um, between five and eight. I haven't really noticed the programme or watched the programme when someone's got completely zero. Or when all three have given tens. And I think, and I reflected on that and I thought perhaps that's the way we grade our sin. (coughs) Perhaps that's the way we grade ourselves, how we feel, how we see one another. Do we have that grading system? And I reflected that God only has two scores if we come to dinner with him, which is zero or ten. Zero, admitting that we're the worst of all sinners, to the perfect ten, forgiven because Jesus died for each one of us. That he has taken away every sin, past, present and future. And we're to live in the freedom and the grace that God gives us. And Jesus will again invite us to the communion table, whether it's your thousandth time or whether it's your first time. The message is still the same. Come just as you are. Be set free. And maybe there's somebody here today that would want to hear the words that Jesus spoke to this sinful woman. Your sins are forgiven. So as I say, we try to mark ourselves on this imaginary scoring system. I've not been too bad today. 
I'll give myself 8 out of 10. When there is only ever two scores, 10 or 0. I heard a song recently which said, God does not love in pieces. We get all of him. God can't withhold any of his love for each one of us. It's not to say we won't make bad choices, mess up daily, beyond what we ever thought we could do. And yesterday for me, I don't think I'd even score a one. But we have to come back to what we've already sung, come back to God's word, that in our mess, that nothing can separate us from God's love. His love for us will always be that perfect ten, as we trust in him and come back to him. But coming back to um, Come Dine With Me, I think it's quite a harmless program. And sometimes watching it, you see uh, a glimpse of the world where people live and what's on their minds and their hearts. I think there's there's a challenge to us in our own little Christian world that it's hard for others to come into God's invited story. And when I look around at each of you, I can see why. <laughs> Guess who had a negative thought then? But we're all wonderful people, aren't we? But I know some people better than I know others. And in any group, um, we get on better with some people than we do other people. But if you didn't know anybody, think how daunting, daunting it would be coming into this church. Admitting for the first time that perhaps there's something in this God stuff. But just like the come dying contestants who don't really know what to expect from one another, Jesus was invited to his own come dine with me experience by the Pharisees. And an unexpected guest turns up, the sinful lady. But amazingly, they were all invited into God's amazing story. As the Pharisee and the sinful woman joined Jesus at the dinner table, that dinner party, they were both scoring zero on the sin scale. Even though the Pharisee probably thought he was closer to a ten compared to the woman weeping at Jesus' feet. And I think the two dinner guests reflect both ends of the human spectrum. At one end, you get the Pharisees, so full of head knowledge, so full of self-importance and pride that they try and rationalise everything that Jesus did. His actions, what he said, what he did. And today we try and use the sciences, we try and use logic to understand the mystery and the majesty of God's kingdom. The modernistic view is, I think, therefore I am. The Pharisees don't look to Jesus for freedom. They compare Jesus to their own set of rules, their own set of regulations, their own lifestyle. And if it didn't fit their logic, then Jesus couldn't possibly be true. Unlike in the TV programme, where the people didn't know one another, the Pharisees knew or thought they knew exactly who Jesus was. They weren't inviting Jesus to that dinner party that night for a bit of fun. They wanted to test him, to put Jesus on the spot. Was he really a prophet? I'm guessing it wouldn't have been a small, intimate dinner party. There would have been other Pharisees there, observing, watching Jesus. 
waiting for that chink in his armour, waiting for him to mess up, waiting for him to make mistakes, to prove that they were right. And Jesus was just simply a man. If Jesus had been a prophet, he would know what kind of woman was weeping at his feet. He would have not let himself become unclean because of this woman. The Pharisees don't look to Jesus to be set free from perfectionism, other people's opinions, and the, and the requirement to do the right thing at the right time in the right way. Living by the letter of the law, or their own interpretation of it. They want Jesus to fit into their world, rather than Jesus coming to turn their upside world the right way up. Matthew 11:29 says Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls They were to come to him and learn and not the other way around To the other end of the spectrum with the woman so caught up in her own emotions she admit, she may have missed the parable the words of forgiveness that Jesus said to her in her sobbing. Sometimes I forget to look up and to reach out to see Jesus reaching down to me in my pain. I forget to hear the words, I am here, walk with me, talk to me, I will lead you. Both ends of the spectrum are difficult places to be, but Jesus offers them both hope. Jesus says to both of them, come into my story and learn to live a different way of life. Having our sins forgiven is the first step in our walk of faith. Hands up those who've uh, had an easy life since becoming a Christian. We know our sins are forgiven, but life's tough in the world down here. So from this encounter, we have no idea really how this affected them later in life. But we do know that Jesus said the words, your sins are forgiven. And it's interesting that Jesus now refers to this Pharisee, not by a Pharisee or any other name. He calls him by name. He says, Simon making the encounter personal. Jesus only had to say to Mary after his resurrection for her to recognise Jesus. And we've sung about the importance of God's name already. But interestingly, Jesus draws Simon into his story by name. Did calling him Simon have the same effect as it did as he called to Mary? We all may think we're part of the crowd. We can hide and not worry about what God wants for each one of us. But God knows each one of us by name, calls each one of us by name into his story. But quite often he just comes and says, walk with me, talk with me. He is quite capable of filling a sky full of heavenly angels to convince us that he loves each one of us by name. 
But quite often he just whispers in our ear, come and walk with me. And we're told in this passage that Jesus wasn't given the customary welcome offered to invited guests. His feet were still rough after many years of life, dusty with the day's grime, leaving them a different colour from the rest of him. So when this sinful woman weeps at his feet, I guess she's expecting to see a nice, clean set of feet. But what does she find? Still dirty and unkept. And as her tears begin to fall, as she begins to sob, she starts to wash away the dirt from his feet, leaving streaks across them as she sobs and lets go. Some say she got there early, waiting in the wings, desperate to see Jesus. How her heart must have been pounding. She had no expectation of how Jesus would react. Jesus had not turned away anyone yet. Would she be the exception? Would she be the first? She could not hold her pain in any longer. She knelt at his feet and wept and wept. Did she stop to listen to hear Jesus' parable in her sobbing? Would she have made the connection that Simon made, that those who have been forgiven much, love much? Sometimes I forget how really sinful that I am. If I take time to stop and think and reflect, I still need to come to God and confess my sin, to receive God's healing, God's forgiveness, and trusting in Jesus Trusting that we can come to his dining table, not because we are perfect, but we're imperfect. As we dine with Jesus at his communion table. As I say, we don't know how people were affected for, in this encounter, this dinner that they had. But we do know, he said to the lady, your sins are forgiven. You are healed. Your shame has been stripped away. Crushed by my grace and love. It's a promise that doesn't change for each one of us for eternity. But as I say, the challenge is to live in the truth of this passage, to allow my world to be turned the right way up. How did this lady cope when the first client knocked on her door for his usual services? What was her response Sorry, I'm no longer that type of woman. My life has been changed. Christ has set me free. Would her reputation stick? Would she believe her sins were forgiven? I expected she wondered, with no food in the cupboard, had she made the right decision to trust in God as the memories of her life still lingered? But the good news is Jesus is the God of second chances. Jesus is our healer. And we know what happened to the prostitute Rahab. Coming from Jericho, she trusted in God. And what was her story? She went from town prostitute to a member of the royal family, to the lineage of Jesus. From sinner to a child of God. And however we may find ourselves today, wanting a logical answer to every question, or so worn out emotionally 
that we can't even lift our eyes towards Jesus to hear his message, that he loves you, that you are my child, and I accept you just as you are. God would always invite us into a different story, and all it took was one invitation to draw those from the outside into his amazing story. Jesus turned their world the right way up. Sins were forgiven so that we can all burst with life. I think we